0: Welcome to this week's episode of Mixed Methods. From experimenting with truly mixed methods projects to various team structures, the team at Spotify has always impressed me with their creative approach to research. That feeling only deepened last March, as I read a blog post about a personas project that the team had taken on with the help of some amazing vendors like Julie Francis, Fred Bove, and Laurie Dossette. To be honest, I've always been a bit skeptical of personas, which only made me more curious when I saw the investment and impact that they seem to be generating at Spotify. So today, we're going to hear from the team behind what has to be one of the coolest persona projects I've ever seen. Please note that this episode was recorded from multiple locations around the world, so please forgive any sound quality issues. Also, Olga, one of the interviewees on today's show, is no longer at Spotify. Today's episode is brought to you by dScout, the tool that enables teams to do in-context fieldwork without leaving the office dscout connects you with people via their smartphones and allows you to handpick recruits design diary studies conduct live interviews and access the moments that matter learn more at dscout.com slash mm this is Ariel Onflown and you're listening to mixed methods today's episode personas I'm so excited to be joined from the team at Spotify that is responsible for the amazing persona work uh, that we've seen a little bit about lately. And so I wanted to start by having each of you introduce yourself and maybe say a little bit about what your involvement on that project was and your role generally at Spotify.
1: Hi, my name is Sohet and I am a staff user researcher in the Boston office of Spotify. Uh, I work with the team that uh, is responsible for the personalized listening experiences of all the cool playlists uh, that come on Spotify, like Discover Weekly, Daily Mix, etc. Uh, In terms of personas uh, research, my role primarily in the first phase of research, my role was more as a consumer of the research. And in the second phase, I worked very closely with Olga, Maddy and many other researchers on uh, the listening together part of the study, which we will talk about later
2: Cool. And my name is Olga and uh, I work as a senior user researcher in our premium team here at Spotify. And I'm based in Stockholm, in Sweden. And in the premium team, we kind of look after um, creating like a great uh, experience for our paying customers, uh, looking at everything from the payment to the actual like different um, features and yeah, premium plans. And I got involved just like kind of the, in the end of the first phase of this project where we, where we were starting rolling out the personas to Spotify. And then I uh, was kind of more involved also in the second phase, again, like working with Soit and Maddie here and actually being more part of like uh, helping out designing the research and observing the research more closely.
3: Awesome. And I am Maddie. I'm the product designer today at Home C. We look into how can we bring joy to people uh, listening to music at home, alone or together. And I was fortunately enough to be part of both phases of the study. The first part was to create materials to communicate the personas. Um, and then the second part I joined since the very beginning, interviewing users and I follow the formation and application of most of the materials.
0: Cool. Well, I'm so excited to have the chance to talk to you a little bit about the work that you did. I feel like personas are one of those topics in UX research that people really love, but there's also some mystery to them in terms of, you know, how do you get them to work or how do you sell your team on them? Um, you know, cause there's so many stories of personas not going as well. And the work that you've done at Spotify really is so impressive So I thought that we could just start with some of that more human part of it. Like, how did you choose the method? And then how did you get your team to, you know, rally around this idea?
3: So we, at this point, have been using some sort of proto-personas inside Spotify. This was in early 2017 Uh, And we had some sort of idea of what our user base was, but we didn't have enough uh, data to ground that. And at the same time, um, our company was growing, the amount of people in the design team were growing, and we were looking to create some sort of set of tools that could give us this grounding of uh, understanding our user and creating empathy, even outside the design team. And we wanted something that could live long enough that we could... Uh, start incorporating into every single team's way of working. So we look into different methods and in the end, personas seem to be the most um, flexible and the one with the most longevity. And uh, So we could apply to different parts of the organization and could also um apply to different types of involvement with projects. So not only designers could use, but developers could be engaged, product people could be engaged and researchers could use as a starting point for their own uh, processes.
0: Just to make sure I'm understanding, this is like the classic UX researcher thing to say, but to make sure I'm understanding it sounds like there was you know kind of an issue in terms of how you were thinking of your users and just a lack of consistency there maybe between different teams.
3: Yes, totally. Inside Spotify, we have people looking at the whole journey, just like the August team. Uh, so looking at the moment that people hear about Spotify until the moment they uh, decide to upgrade to a different plan and they pay, either if they pay or don't pay, if they include a family or not. And you also have people that are a lot focused on a part of the experience, like Soul Hits team, that works on how people discover music, how people come across some content that we either organized to them or that they made themselves. So we had a difficulty in talking about the user in in a way that we could understand each other, because usually when these teams would meet and discuss, they would have very different perspectives about users and uh, look into very different values. So we wanted to kind of create a good uh, starting point so we could start talking about the same users and attitudes and behaviors uh, and understand each other as well.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a problem that so many teams have, especially as their organizations get larger and more specialized is that people are really focused, like you just said, on like these different slivers, but then you can end up kind of sacrificing the larger experience to try to optimize these smaller experiences. So I love that your team was so focused on really creating the shared language and the shared way of thinking about your users. Something I'm curious about though, you know, I was kind of mentioning in the beginning, I feel like personas are a little bit of a a hot topic, right? You know, so at some organizations, people are really strongly pro, and at some organizations, individuals are really strongly against personas. So I was curious how your team reacted to the idea of making this large investment in doing personas.
2: So uh, I can start, and then feel free to jump in, so it and Maddie. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Like we had this like kind of huge initiative that we were gonna roll out to the whole organization. And I think for all of us, it's been like a great learning experience. Uh, For us, it's been, we really learned that like the different teams are coming with different backgrounds and they have different perspectives and uh, Spotify is well known for working very autonomous. So something that we learned pretty early on was that like the, uh, that we really like, we needed to kind of sit down with our teams and learn, you know, did they have any prior experience using personas? Were they pro like or negative perspectives from earlier on? But we really wanted more to focus on like learning and seeing like where we could help the teams use the personas, if at all. We know it's not like uh, something that fits all use cases. So I think like our kind of perspective was to really like focus on the team's needs instead of like going into a conversation where we starting looking at like pros and cons. Uh, So really like trying to focus on the team's needs uh, and see how it could bring value, but so jump in please and share more.
1: I completely agree with that. I think uh, the idea of pros and cons of a tool usually leads to more philosophical debates and doesn't really help with pragmatic purposes. For us, it was more important that we. Uh, everyone agreed that there was a problem that uh, we did not have a shared understanding of who our customers were, uh, were and how we were talking about them. And really, any tool that we created, it basically had to solve that problem. And for us, Personas seemed to be the most apt tool to do that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious, you know, for those researchers out there who are really interested in using personas, but are at organizations that maybe, you know, don't have as much trust or as much flexibility in terms of their approach. How would you recommend kind of winning over those stakeholders who might have doubts about the value of personas? So,
1: so I think like this idea of trust, as you mentioned, it's super important because it's very hard for any tool to be successful if the relationship with the stakeholders does not exist or if it's not thriving. If that relationship exists and if it is great, then personas or any other tool could be made equally effective. So, you know, my recommendation to user researchers who are who are struggling with trust issues is to actually work on that first because that is super important to activate any type of research, not just a tool like Persona's.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So in terms of how you actually like went through the process of making personas, I feel like this is, you know, one of the the research tools that we have that ends up typically taking longer than, you know, many other types of projects like one-on-one interviews or even diary studies. So I'm curious for your team, you know, you've already mentioned that there were two phases, but I'd love to hear a little bit about what the process of actually creating these personas was like.
1: Yeah, I can take that one. So, uh, so, yes, you are correct. You know, like Persona's research, is it's very foundational in nature and it typically, you know, takes uh, uh, the effort from the researchers and designers and other stakeholders to kind of take a step back from the day-to-day work and really go deep into understanding our customers. And we were quite aware of that from the very beginning of this project. So, in terms of uh, some of the methods that we used, I think like one of the big questions for us was like, what market should we try to understand and uh, what are these personas going to be based upon. So Spotify is available in more than 70 markets now, I believe potentially even closer to 80 or more. Uh, so I think like we first had to make a decision okay you know where do we start? because culture and music are so innately tied to each other uh, like any persona that we created it had to have that element of the cultural uh, uh, cultural dimension that should go in the personas. And we decided that we are going to start with the United States because uh, we had some understanding of our customers' needs from some of the past research in the U.S., and we wanted to build on top of that. Not to say that we did not have foundational understanding of some of our other big markets, but uh, U.S. was one of our biggest markets, and that seemed like the right place to start. So that that's how we decided the market. Now, within that market, like how did we sample our, uh, you know, potential participants? There were certain conversations about potentially starting from our behavioral data and trying to see if there are some clusters formed around that and then trying to interview those people and we quickly nixed that idea because not only we felt that we were losing some of the nuance that comes from uh, just taking a step back from the behaviors but also because uh, we were well aware that you know at the, at the growth rate of Spotify we, are, we were not only designing for the listeners who were already using Spotify but also potential listeners who would be using Spotify by the time this research was completed and activated with the product teams so overall We kind of uh, did a diary plus ethnographic research, contextual inquiries in six different cities over a span of uh, two years. So in phase one, it was a six month project and in phase two, it was another six months. And that kind of spanned uh, almost 70 to 80 customers spanning a wide variety of attributes.
0: You know, that makes it sound like it was primarily qualitative, but I know there was also a large element of quantitative research that fed into the development of your personas.
1: Yeah, so I think like by quantitative, uh, there are two attributes. One is like, you know, how do we use our big data to do some type of clustering? And that is something we did not do because of the reasons I just mentioned. And then there was another quantitative phase, which was more around sizing the needs and attitudes and behaviors. And we did that in the second phase uh, just to generalize our findings and kind of do another gut check if, you know, what we found in the qualitative research Uh, through observations and interviews, uh, does it scale to rest of the uh, Spotify audience?
0: Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, in this first phase, you were very much just trying to figure out who your users were in this qualitative way, start to, to group them. And then in the second phase, you were trying to validate what you had learned in the first phase. And I know there was an additional piece to it, but in that validation, like with the quant research of phase one, what did you find? Was there any discrepancy or how did you put that first phase of work together with that validation?
1: Yeah, so I think like uh, just to give you more context about why we did the second phase, the first phase was mostly focused on how people listen to music alone. And as all all of us know, like music listening does not happen uh, with headphones alone. People are listening to music in many, many other contexts, particularly when they are together. So like, you know, driving in a car or having a dinner party at home and so on. So the reason we kicked off the second phase was that our first phase showed that this dimension of people listening together, it's super important to dig in deep. And that kind of led us to the second phase And and then, of course, like from the findings themselves, you know, like from the ethnographic findings, we not only have the personas, which are based on attitudinal dimensions, we also have some needs and we have behaviors and uh, habits with devices, with apps, so on. And we wanted to kind of uh, uh, measure that at scale and see if the behaviors that we have identified with the general population, with the sample in our contextual inquiries, does that scale to rest of the U.S. audience.
0: Yeah. And what did you find? I'm, the reason, yeah. The reason I'm asking is because I feel like so many researchers end up in this position, right? Where they like do some type of foundational research and then they have a survey and sometimes it matches and sometimes it doesn't. So, yeah, yeah. that's why I would just love to hear, you know, what your experience <laughs> so think, with that uh, was like.
1: Luckily, in our case most of our findings matched. In fact, it was a very clean mapping. And I agree with you, many times that is not the case. And that usually warrants either trying to understand any discrepancies in the methods or potentially something that might have been missed in either of those research phases. In our case, uh, the quant findings actually supported all the evidence that we had gathered from the call very well. And that basically gave us more confidence about the findings.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. You know, so, Sohi, you had also mentioned that you discovered this social aspect was a key dimension. And I'm curious, you know, either from you or Maddie or Olga, how you came up with like what the key dimensions were, what that process looked like as you moved through this qualitative process of, you know, doing this diary study and these interviews, how you kind of surfaced or decided where to focus in terms of key dimensions.
3: Actually, I can take that one. So, since the very first phase of the research, we were actually confused about how we're going to create these personas. Are we going to use demographics or not? Uh, What would be the important uh, identities or uh, dimensions that we should form personas around? So, as we went through the phases, uh, on the first phase, we actually had a bunch of surveys and diary studies and had some dimensions mapped, that, uh, mapped out roughly. And we ended up refining them and taking it back to the stakeholders multiple times and trying to understand if, for example, demographics had any impact, if social setting had an impact, if economics have an impact or not on the way that people listen to music. And then, again, after doing this massive uh, diary study and survey, we realized that there were some key ones that would be uh, more relevant to us to grow as a company and as a product than certain ones. So, for example, even though our personas have uh, gender, they are not uh, there to represent that people from a certain gender behave a certain way. It's mostly to make them... Uh, more real. So some of them have gender, some of them don't have any gender so assigned or not, but they are very distinct from the actual attributes we pick to cluster the needs and behaviors and ideas. So this was in the very beginning. Uh, again, we just roughly put them together and then we went to the field, interviewed a bunch of people, and then went back to that wall of uh, different attributes to see if they were still true or not. So for example, in the first pass, we had six different personas Uh, and then we went out to four and then we settled on five after a lot of discussion internally about how relevant those attributes would be mostly for us to design but also for uh, people to understand attitudes and also reflecting on the data we collected if they were relevant or not um, to to make a distinct uh, separation between one persona and the other. Uh, That was also very uh, important for us to kind of communicate the research for everyone inside because again not everyone was familiar with personas and a lot of people uh, asked about some some of these dimensions as well.
0: This episode is sponsored by dscout. dscout is a remote research tool that connects you to participants through their smartphones and shows you the moments that matter as they happen. With Dscout, you can recruit, design, and run a qualitative study in days, all in one platform. And you'll be hard pressed to find another remote research tool that brings you as far in the field with so little hassle. I've actually used it myself to run a study, and I was amazed by how much access I got into my participants' daily lives and how easy Dscout made it to learn from them. So give it a shot. Head to dscout.com slash mm to learn more. So it almost sounds like, you know, your team came up with a work in progress, these, you know, initial groupings. And then as you were doing more interviews, you'd come back and say, you know, does this person that we just spoke to fit into any of these categories? And if not, do we need a new category? Does that feel like an, an accurate description?
3: Not quite. So what we did was, was again, like we had this pre studied dimensions that we gather from the diary, uh, remote diary studies and interviews and questionnaires that we had uh, preparing for the actual field research. And those Dimensions were independent of the person so we wanted to see something for example um, you listen to the music on the car so how do you listen on the car and you can see people that are highly social and want everyone to decide everything and people that don't want anybody to decide anything and they are the ones driving so they are the ones deciding so these dimensions were something that we took when we were having the field research we kind of mapped out to see okay this person is more keen to um, have a more social context or is this person right in the middle or if this person not at all wants to share anything. So that was the kind of uh, validation we did per dimensions themselves. Uh, we made sure to have always this uh, flexible list. So some dimensions started up in the first iteration of the project, super relevant. And then as we started interviewing people, we saw that they were either highly uh, random or they were not significant uh, in the sample we, we searched into.
2: And I can just add, uh, I think, reveal some more <laughs> interesting things that we come up Something that we like, we talked a lot about this, like in the research and design team was that we quite early on saw that uh, people's needs or like reasons of listening to music seem to like be consistent over this kind of different clusters that Maddie mentioned that we started to see. But w- what was like had more of like uh kind of a stronger difference or something like where we saw that he, this is interesting. Was there like different attitudes towards listening to music and, you know, the value they were saw, seeing in paying for music uh, or the different like kind of behaviors around uh, devices. And as you mentioned that in like in different contexts. Um, and I think that that was something interesting like, the big learning for us was that, like, when going into this research, we, yeah, we we kind of at some point decided, like, yeah, we're going to do personas. But, like, it wasn't until we were actually in this, like, very, like, very intense and complex synthesis exercise that we actually saw, like, okay, but for us, for Spotify, for music listening Um, the personas like we we need to tweak them to actually fit our needs and like our products um, instead of just taking like a persona template because I think that's like why in the end like now two years later they're actually very uh, valuable for the teams
3: we're also very fortunate that uh, as I said um, we had this flexibility of working with very abstract dimensions and only use demographics as a way of bringing it to life and we also have a market uh, insights, marketing insights team that works more focused on the demographics. We kind of worked side by side with them. So we didn't have to be so concerned about it because we knew that we would have support for the area if people were looking for that kind of information.
0: Yeah, that I mean, it sounds really nice that you had that type of partnership. And also just, you know, the the level of trust that you had within the organization for this whole project sounds amazing. And like you were really being set up for success. Um, Which is so cool to hear, you know, as a follow up to what you Maddie and Olga were just saying, I'm curious, you know, for somebody who's again, considering doing personas or taking on a persona based project, how would you summarize what you used the diary study or this more unmoderated research to come up with versus how you use the one-on-one interviews to either further develop that or refine what you, you learned from the, the diary study portion of the work?
2: Yes, I can. I can start a little bit. So, um, as we already mentioned, like we had going into the research, we already had like few kind of dimensions uh, in mind. Like we've been doing research for for some time, so we uh, we had like a few few things that we thought would be important for users when going into the field. And then we kicked off with like diary studies to uh, uh, be able to really like. Capture these people's lives, uh, looking at uh, behaviors over time, capturing like, you know, both like weekdays behaviors and week ends behaviors. We were really keen on like capturing uh, people's commutes, for example, like being in the car we know that that's a huge use case specifically in the us for example so we really want to kind of capture um those kind of daily routines and then following up with in-home studies to to be able to go deeper uh, be able to maybe talk to take some people that we think were specifically interesting to talk to um being able to follow up on, on some of the questions that we what was hard to capture and going deeper into and this i think this is like it's also a great opportunity to uh when doing this like in homes is a great method for actually like bringing in some of the stakeholders that you're working on because that's like where they actually can get exposed to users like in real life
0: yeah what was the broader team's involvement in this process
1: So we were were very, very thoughtful about the communication strategy and involving our teams from the very beginning. And uh, one of the things that we did was actually socialize the research plan early on with all our key partners within the organization and try to understand if uh, we are capturing their workflows and we are capturing the type of products that they're working on into our discussion guides and the questions that we are sending out. Uh, But not only that, we actually wanted them to get a flavor of uh, how user research works and meet these people one-on-one. So we brought them to the field and for some of our partners from Stockholm and London and other offices, it was quite a trip to, you know, come to the U.S., come to the Midwest, come to the West Coast and go uh, visit people's homes and and it was fantastic because going back to uh, that idea of building trust I think it really helps when uh, you can bring your partners along with you to use the research sessions uh, because that makes uh, the the sharing of the work so much easier later on.
3: And I want to add with, uh, when we were doing the synthesis we also had a workshop in the open so when all the researchers were synthesizing the, the five personas that we have right now we had this giant mural with all the dimensions mentions and every single part of the research was in a different color coded posted and it was in the design studio everyone passing by the halls could come and ask the researchers about the process and i think that also gained a lot of people that have never had contact uh, with research before it kind of created a new level of respect for the insights people inside spotify as well and people were more keen to try it out the the results of the research than before. So we had to gain trust both, both on the side of the stakeholders that were financing the project, but also on the side of people that were actually going to use uh, this uh, result
2: in the day-to-day work. Now, I have to mention my anecdote. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> (laughs) Building on what Maddie just said, like the great, like what which was really great was like anyone could come by and like get a grasp of what learn what was what we were doing. Um and uh on the day when like me and my team were were there talking to the researchers, uh looking at this huge like wall of post-its all over the place, uh it was just like a guy coming walking by in like in a very like uh, nice looking suit. Like people don't really wear suits in Spotify. like uh, he looked at me and I kind of waved him in to like come and watch, see what we're doing here. Because I was so excited about this research. Like, yeah, of course, researchers. And then uh, when he like comes up to me and start like I start telling him, you know, this is like we're trying to learn about our our users here. I look at him and I realize, okay, this is not like someone from Spotify. It's actually the Prince of Sweden. (laughs) Yes, the Prince of Sweden. (laughs) was visiting the Spotify office uh, and I for some reason even if he was wearing a suit thought that he was like part of the team and he took up his like Discover Weekly and told me like in detail how he was using uh, Spotify and Discover Weekly and told me about like what he liked with it and so on and uh, afterwards he left and I think I was like among the only Swedes in that group so people were just like who is that guy just like coming here interrupting and I was like yeah it was the prince of Sweden now he also knows about the persona. <laughs> <laughs> and people just started laughing because they had no idea what, what was just going on. But again, what's fun here is like even like the Prince of Sweden, someone that's like not working at Spotify at all, uh, actually like got a pretty good understanding of what we're trying to do, uh, what we're trying to like share with the broader organization.
3: And in that case, I really have to uh, to commend the work of uh, Fred Bove and Julie Francis. They were a heady uh, the research on the first iteration of the personas so they gave uh, birth <laughs> pretty much to this five set of personas uh, and then afterwards the rest of the Spotify uh, research team uh, worked from uh, their work so they were the first ones that introduced this design and researching the open
0: here and we've been repeating since then. I love hearing about the involvement of the Prince of Sweden in developing your personas and also the call out for the vendors that you worked with. Because I know projects like this are often just so huge that a lot of teams do choose to bring in outside help. And it's great to hear a little bit about that and their involvement because I I think some teams are like, you know, how am I supposed to do this? How did this team do all this amazing work? And so it's helpful to understand a little bit of the, you know, the wizard behind the curtain, so to speak, and, and how this actually happens. So one thing I wanted to dig into a little bit more, you know, Olga, you had kind of mentioned using this example of the Prince of Sweden, that it was so cool that anyone could come in and kind of understand what you were doing and what you were learning. And I'm, I'm curious how you shared out your findings or what tools you made available to the team. I don't know if those differed between, you know, the end of phase one versus the end of phase two, but yeah, I would love to hear about how you made this work available and accessible to your team's.
3: Uh, I can speak a bit about it. So I was involved and brought into the first phase uh, and um, the second phase as well to... find interesting ways to bring this research to life because especially on the second phase we understood that the research was way too complex and way too valuable to just end up on the deck somewhere so we wanted to bring it to life make sure that everyone understood its parts but also understood the parts that were relevant to them specific so out of curiosity of course they could always read the whole research but we knew that to be successful inside Spotify, we also had to be focused on what teams were actually working. So the first iteration, we actually did some uh, cutouts, a website for people to read a bit more about each persona and the process. And we had this workshop scheduled with uh, every single product area here in Spotify. So Olga was the one in charge of most of them. And she can speak a bit more about how these workshops went.
2: Yeah. And I think, again, it was great that we actually got the opportunity to do this twice because we learned so much from the first round of it. Um, and I would say like these wor- workshops have been key um, when rolling out this this work. And specifically when we were rolling out the second phase uh, having personas listening together because that's that's a pretty complex um kind of dimension to look at like now we not only have like one person but like several person personas coming together and w- what is happening in those situations so uh we together with L'Ordoset, we created like a workshop a uh, play card game where we actually um came up with like three different uh, personas workshops that teams quite easily can like play around with uh, by themselves uh, so even if like we are sometimes organizing like, this type of workshops actually with this kind of play cards uh, the idea is that the teams can, uh, should be able to work pretty like independently and kick off like a workshop spanning from like one hour to like a full week uh, doing this uh, on their own but I think, as Maddie said, like some very often, like we end up having like research and research results in docs. Um, it's great, great for just sharing out. But like when, if we are actually thinking about having people use these uh, tools and use these artifacts. We, we really need to like help them to put themselves in a situation where they start to interact with the tools. And I think the workshop has been key for that.
3: And it was great to have the website also as a fallback if people were a bit more engaged. So we kind of ran a meta persona of the Spotify employees to see which kind of people would be needing to work with, but not so engaged, which people would be uh, not needing to work with, but very engaged. So they could be ambassadors to share the, the research searching their own teams or at least to, to kickstart. So we made sure also that the website was interactive enough so people could filter through the research and find something pertinent to their own uh, point of view from uh, music listening. So if you are a team that works with devices, you could actually browse through the research and look into the device needs and behaviors. Or if you're someone working with music taste and music um, affinity, you could also do the same. We could also also go broad and then see the whole journey. So having those ways of interacting with the research was fundamental for us to kind of pitch in and let people interested.
0: Yeah, I have been so impressed with the tools that, you know, you were just describing some of them, like the website and the card games. And, you know, I think one thing that really impressed me when Maddie, you took me on a tour of Some of the tools that you'd created for the team, in particular, the website was just how fun and interactive you managed to make it. So it's like, you know, I feel like I'm taking some personality quiz or something and you actually did have a personality quiz that members of the team could take to see, you know, which of the personas they were most aligned with or if this was the the particular product area that they were working on, you know. Maybe here's some description of what the user looks like. So you made it super interactive and really fun, so that I feel like people just wanted to probably go and check it out. Um, and then once they had that familiarity, I'm sure that you know it it allowed them to more effectively recall and and use it in their project work. Totally, it it was
3: it was something uh, good for us as well to um, have a point of contact about personas all the time, independent of the researchers behind, because right now, inside Spotify, so it, Olga and I, are points of contact but if people need basic information they don't need to reach out to us, if they just join Spotify, they can just reach that material, and inside those um, assets, they could also print most of the stuff, they could also order uh, more high fidelity versions of it, and in the, in the end, it was a, it's a good entry point for us to measure as well how people are engaging with the With the research. We had a website on the first phase and we redid because of some some things that were not quite working for us. So people were not engaging or clicking through or reading. So we decided that making it interactive will make it more appealing for our internal users. And we've seen that pay off.
0: It would be awesome to hear a little bit more about the learnings from phase one and how they informed phase two in terms of how you're actually communicating or sharing these findings. I know that Olga mentioned that there was a lot of learnings that happened between phase one and phase two. And I think that would be awesome because so many teams, they do one round and maybe there are some things that don't work and then they don't necessarily have the, you know, the resources or whatever it is to continue investing. And so I think your team is, just positioned so well to talk about personas because you did have this long relationship in terms of doing around, figuring out what worked and then, you know, doing it again. So yeah, it would be great to hear a little bit more about how the way you did your output or shared that change from phase one to phase two.
3: I can speak on the materials and sharing the final research and probably organ, so we can talk a bit more about the Um, other parts of the process. But first is uh, being humble and knowing that we cannot do everything in-house uh, we need a different kind of arrangement if we want to get high quality materials. So that's why we set some time to find third parties that could help us to be the best we could in each phase. And on the design side is actually treating the research materials as a design project, doing iterations on it, doing testing on it live with the different teams. So one of the things that didn't work quite well in the beginning was that there were no current projects for example using personas so people were very averse to be the first one to try it out Uh, so we doubled down on having these kind of workshops and letting people know how to put personas into their context and talking to different audiences inside spotify so people that work on the service part of it people that work on very isolated features and being there with them uh, so they could ask us questions directly and we could adjust the materials accordingly I'm sure in the research phase, Olga and Sohit can also uh, chime in.
1: Uh, yes. So just talking about, uh, you know, what we learned from phase one of the research was, of course, one of the big findings was that we had the personas after phase one. So for phase two, we actually used the personas for recruitment and kind of dove in deep into each of those personas. Because in phase two, phase two we actually wanted to understand how these different personas interact with each other when they're listening to music and what happens when uh, there are kids, maybe teenagers or younger kids in in the same physical location. So the level of complexity became drastically uh, different than it was for phase one in terms of what was happening in real life. And just understanding in phase one that, you know, what type of sampling strategy worked, what did not work. Uh, what type of line of questioning was the most useful for us, Uh, potentially even uh, starting with some literature reviews. So we kind of relied a lot on some of the work on uh, socio-technical systems and brought in some theories even before we went for interviewing. And all of that was because we had uh, our experience in phase one. And just like everything at Spotify, we we believe in learning uh, from things that work and things that do not work. And that's exactly what we did in phase two.
0: Yeah, it sounds it sounds like there was a ton of learnings, both in terms of the findings and then in terms of the process. I'm, you know, kind of just going back to the the way that you were doing the readout or sharing the work. You know, Maddie, you just spoke a little bit to the fact that people, while they might have been excited about having personas, they didn't actually know how to apply them, and that there was almost this like you know, first-time nerves. And so you, it sounds like you almost created case studies or something. I know you also mentioned the cards and you also mentioned how the website evolved. And as somebody, an outsider looking in, there are so many resources that you created. And I'm wondering how you decided these are the resources that we do need to create. Like we do need cards or we don't need cards. It sounds like the case studies, you really like iterated your way into that. Yeah, I'm wondering how you decided these are like the five tools that will be most helpful for our team in order to actually like have impact with personas, you know, versus we don't need these other potentially like two or three ways that we could have shared them. Like how did you decide which methods to use and which not in terms of sharing the work? Okay.
3: So, uh, different from phase one, this time in phase two, we started the design process since the very beginning. So I did a bunch of ideation with the researchers as well and map using that grid of different Spotify, um, consumers of this research the people that might be highly engaged or not so engaged that might need to use or might not need to use at all in the daily work. So we pretty much ideated in all those quadrants. And then we checked uh, our timelines, our current findings, our budget, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then we decided to eliminate some of them. Uh, Some of them we already had some experience uh, working with. So it was a lot easier to discuss, but we wanted to make sure that all four quadrants were covered. So someone that... Just arrived, hates to use personas, had a horrible experience in the past. Could also come uh, come across some sort of workshop, for example, where we would explain how our personas were developed and what actually do you need to do to use it on your daily work. Or someone that doesn't need to use personas at all, but is so excited about it. For example, there was a data engineer that was so excited about it on my team that they can actually get a grab a deck of cards and then show to the team in a very cut and short to the point this is this persona, this is what the persona is about. We should probably look into different other personas because we were only focusing on this one. So we wanted to make sure that all of them were covered. And again, uh, we tested a bunch of them. So the card game didn't come as unanswered to all the problems. So Laura came here went to New York, went to London. We had this version of the card game that were pretty much just colorful post-its with things written on it and saw if people were using it, if they needed a lot of facilitation or if he was doing his job and kind of giving enough information. So we kind of designed and decided the methods based on this. Laura is a, a person that is focused on uh, play as a way of learning. So Card game, I'm sure, was not the only idea she had, she had plenty of others, but we worked together on the ones that were easier for people to kind
0: of by themselves figure out how to manipulate the research findings. Cool. So it really comes back to this framework that you had also mentioned earlier about these different groups. And yeah, it's so, it's just so cool uh, from my perspective to hear how you worked through this process, because it, it really is like such a re- researcher's approach, right? So you were kind of like iterating through every stage and yeah, it's just so cool to hear the way you created these frameworks and, and really made sure that you were solving real problems for your team. Um, Cause I think sometimes researchers get frustrated, like I've put so much work into creating these personas and no one's using them, you know, and they're like, you know, what do I have to do? And for you guys, you, you know, went through these multiple phases and you actually really got to know your users and really got to understand why they were or weren't engaging with them in the way that you were hoping.
3: Yes. And uh, also the second phase had a tweak that it was very interesting for me because being in Spotify uh, for how long I've been, I've never seen it before. But uh, those of it and Olga brought in a lot of people from more academic research about sociology as a, as a whole to kind of teach us the trends and uh, the characteristics of the field that we were looking into. So it was nice to see from other experts that were not interested in building products, but actually observing, analyzing and creating frameworks around people's behavior to see how how do that compare to the stuff we observed in the field and how could we use that internally for example are we uh intensify a certain kind of behavior do we want that to happen do we want to move away from it so it was really interesting for me uh, as a designer to observe that kind of feedback being included in the research as well
0: yeah, that's amazing. I think so often we overlook the contributions of you know academic research that has gone on before and how that can be applied uh, to our work to really just elevate it and make it so much deeper. So I know we're kind of getting to the end of time. I would love to just hear a little bit from you about the team's response to all of this amazing work that you did and, and resources that you created and how you've seen it impact Spotify. So I can
1: start with my team because I work very closely uh, with uh, the teams that are responsible for uh, machine learning-based experiences, which are personalized for everyone, right? So your Discover Weekly is very different than mine. And one of the questions that inevitably arrives is that you have these five personas, and now here we are personalizing the experience for millions of users. How do you even start thinking about personas? Lately, what we have observed is that you know with these websites and cards and posters and all the workshops that we have done, a lot of our engineers and product managers and designers they understand why personas are relevant because even though we are designing personalized experiences, we are still designing them for some people who might think about the product and the ui very differently than the others so just understanding that different people have different mental models and different expectations from the products even though we are creating personalized experiences that that has been a big aha moment for uh, for my team and we are using personas now in pretty much all of our product specs
3: well it's like a uh, few design for everyone you're not designing for anybody kind of uh situation my team had a, a kind of a self soul searching crisis because again i work on a, a team that is focused on the home so we've been operating and designing things for the home for years now and here comes this research that talks about how people interact in the home when they're listening to music so it was kind of like pressing a reset button and then looking at the stuff that we already have and evaluating it through it uh, i think most of the developers and product people felt a bit more sheltered and comforted by the research because now they finally have something they could point to and then start working towards Uh, because again most of the research we had before were people in isolation so now they not only can uh, have an idea of how people prefer things to work uh, in their own uh, in their heads, but also how they externalize that, how they contribute and interact with each other. And again, uh, the home is the perfect place for us to talk about social interactions. So it was great to, uh, to pretty much share the research inside and see how excited everyone got about it.
2: Yeah. And lastly, I think what I just wanted to highlight a is also how it's been really cool to run like workshops, activities with teams like across Spotify where you actually can highlight that, okay, even if you are looking over the playlist experience and you're looking over the speaker experience, uh, we're actually looking at the same users. We're, we should, like, we're talking about the same users. It's not going to be different users. I had an example where I was actually uh, doing a workshop um, together with the research in Maddie's space uh, and we kind of showed two examples where my team is uh, typically looking after like... Um this kind of premium family subscriptions so I had a journey map of how this family is setting up this whole Spotify premium subscription and then my colleague she had a journey map of like a few of these personas using the Spotify connect feature and it was a really cool opportunity for us to just show like you know two teams we're looking at the same users we know that we're typically working super autonomous but like here we come together and we can actually see that in the end of the day it's it's the same user and we should think about that.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I think for all of those Spotify users out there, it's, it's very apparent how much care you put into creating that shared language and that cohesive experience. Any final words of wisdom for, you know, people who are are thinking about taking on a personas project, words of warning, maybe.
3: <laughs> I would say, uh, first engaged with the designers and data scientists and all the other disciplines since the beginning. It's a lot easier to go to the field after you know what everyone's needs are and also to kind of have a reality check. So having these things on paper, what do you think we're going to get from this? What do you need right now? It was great because when we went to the field, some things we couldn't get at all and people had to deal with it. But it was a lot easier to go to the field knowing what to look for and also ask for help your team doesn't need to do 100% of everything we just need to be
2: in close uh, communication and uh, also i think in the beginning of this we like we were very de- uh, like it, like we had this kind of goal in mind to understand our users but we we discussed a lot about this like we in the end learned a lot about our teams, our stakeholders, our partners. And I think uh, that's key, to, like sitting down with your with your team members, really understand like what are your product teams trying to do, what 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 could help them uh, focusing on the user and then um, keep them involved in the whole process. Yep. And adding to adding to what Olga
1: and Maddie just said, I think at the end of the day, it's all about having a trustworthy relationship with uh, the partner teams because no product ever gets built in the silos. And the more trust you have, it doesn't matter if you're using personas as a tool or if a team decides to go with some other tool uh, without having trust with your stakeholders, it's very, very hard to activate any tool in in a complex organization. So our biggest learning was that uh, we were very proactive with the communication as well as really trying to understand the workflows and the needs of our stakeholders. And that's one of the reasons it's been two years now since the personas were launched, and we still see that uh, people are using the personas more and more within Spotify.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for for sharing this. I feel like this is a topic that a lot of researchers are interested in and that they'll find, you know, your experience so helpful and useful as they consider creating personas for their organization. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you want to continue the conversation, join us in the Slack group. If you aren't already a member, you can request an invite under the community tab on our website, mixed-methods.org. Follow us on Medium and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest UX research trends. Special thanks to Denny Fuller, our audio engineer and composer, Aaron Schroeder, who edited this episode, and Laura Levitt, our designer. See you next time.